Thank you, Father, that you make us one family in you as we share bread and wine together. You unite our hearts. We love to conclude our sung worship time by passing the baskets for our tithes and offerings. Uh, around here, we love to make sure we return to God that first 10% of how he increases us. It's called the tithe in the Bible. And we pull that into the storehouse because we believe as we pull the, the tithe into the storehouse, that's when God uh, rece- re- pours out all that we need to receive uh, through that uh, setting. And so there are three ways to give. You can give online, as many of you do, with a regular gift. You can also text a dollar amount to 84321. That'll get you set up with the app, and you can donate that way. Or you can give with cash or a check in the baskets as we pass them now. And uh, if you're giving cash and want a receipt, you need to use an envelope. There are some envelopes in the baskets. We don't want anybody to feel under any pressure to give. This is something that we do together freely and joyfully. Uh, The Word of God says God loves a cheerful giver. So if you're not cheerful this morning, please don't give. Uh, But if you are cheerful, you're welcome to give because it takes money to do all this. And so that's how God provides. So what I'm going to do is I'll pass the baskets, one over this side, pass it round and one over the other side to pass it round and uh, I know many of you have pulled out your phones and you're giving with the giving with the uh, with the app thank you for that and uh, while the baskets are going round a couple of practical things I wanted to mention uh, first off um, the uh, yes marriage works John and Pat's ministry are having a fundraiser the email went out this week you should be able to check your email I'll send it out again in tomorrow's email um, which uh, is at Burgerfy in Surfside, and that's on uh, January 26th from memory. January 26th. Uh, we've been to other fundraisers there. It's always a great time. Uh, they do great food, and it's a good way just to, to hang out with other people who value the marriage ministry that John and Pat lead. And uh, I know that's been very beneficial to many of us, and want to encourage you to support that. And... Um, Where's my dear wife gone? I've completely forgotten what else I had to say. And so have you. So that's fine. It can't have been important. Hallelujah. I know one other thing. Um, Yeah. (laughs) This is good, isn't it? We're making this up as we go along. Um, It Also time, I know some of you have already done this, but um, the Father Heart School is coming up next month, and we want to encourage you to... Um, to register for that. If you haven't done the Father Heart A School, uh, it's a week-long investment in knowing God as a loving Father. And uh, Jane and I have done it four or five times now. It's beginning to work, and we're going to go to this one as well and see if it gets even better, you know. Uh, And so if you've done it before, uh, do it again. This is our website, and the way you register for the school, you just go to Calendar and Events, that one there, and that will take you to the upcoming events, and there is the A-School listed. When you click on the A-School, it will give you the picture there, and you tap on the picture, and it'll take you straight off into the registration form. So simple two-step process. I know several of you have done that already, uh, but I encourage all of you to register for that. My phone's slow loading, but never mind. Um, encourage all of you to do that, to be with us for the Father Heart A-School. It's coming up in February, starts on February the 19th. And let me say, I don't want anybody part of our church family to miss out on this simply because of finance. So if finance is the only thing stopping you coming, please talk to us so that we can make sure that doesn't, uh, that doesn't happen. Okay, anything else I need to say? Ladies, for Wednesday morning, you just have to read four chapters this week. We are looking at... Yes, they're just tiny. They're tiny. It's Bob Sorge, and he's coming to town in March. Um, and so it's Secrets of the Secret Place, and it's a video that we watch together, and then we have discussion Wednesdays, uh, 12.30 till 2. You're welcome to that. And Sherry's group is amazing in the evening on a Tuesday, so don't miss that if you are able to come. 7 o'clock, Breakthrough Ladies in Prayer. So lots of good things ca- going on, and the gentlemen are all glad that we're not ladies and we don't have four chapters to read before Wednesday, but <laughs> are there any little chapters? Oh, okay, this is good. But we love the Word of God, and I want to introduce to you, uh, for those of you who are new among us this morning, I want to introduce to you a man who has loved the Word of God for 
a few years, <laughs> many years, I won't say how many, because A, I don't know, and B, that would be rude to a gentleman who's mature in age. But Robert, uh, Robert Huey is our speaker this morning, and Robert's really got uh, a great grasp of the Word of God, and he's really taken to heart this theme that we're in for 2023, that there's more, and uh, there's more for all of us. So I wanted you to open your hearts and welcome Robert with me now, and he's going to come and speak to us about whatever God's given him to speak about. Hello. <laughs> How's everybody doing? Wow, we had a great turnout today. Praise the Lord, man. Well, he's the God of... I think it's working. He's the God of the more. Amen. He doesn't ever stop. Praise the Lord, right? You know, I was thinking of some profound things before I came up here. These are kind of lofty, lofty revelation kind of thoughts, you know. And uh, I don't know if you can, you know, follow me in it, but do your best. But I was thinking anyway that God is a big God. Yes. Amen. <laughs> you know, but uh, anyway, you're like, well, I already know all that. But, you know, sometimes I think we really miss it in that area because we discount the Lord and we discount the bigness of God. And obviously when we do that, then we discount what he can do. But I want to say today that God can do the miraculous He's the God of the more. He's the God of the more than enough. The God of the more than able, praise God. See, he didn't just stop with Tina of healing her of cancer. He took away all the effects of any kind of cancer and COVID and all this other kind of stuff, praise God. Amen. You know, I don't really remember anybody in the Bible that Jesus spoke to or ministered to that came away worse than the way that they started with him. You know, everybody that he touched, he embittered them. And so somebody say, God's not done with me yet. Somebody say, he's got a hole. Ooh, I say, he's got a hole. He, 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 he's got a whole lot more. Amen. He, he, he don't ever stop, right? I'll speak more plainer, like Horry County kind of English. I figure you guys can probably follow me a little better than, you know. Uh, <laughs> yeah. What was that, JW? Yeah, okay, all right. <laughs> so anyway, so I've got a really good theme for today. And actually, I had uh, a couple weeks back at, ago, I had talked with Mark about, a little bit about this morning. And uh, so he suggested the theme of more, which I, I agree with that. And it kind of fits in with, actually with a word that I felt personally that I kind of had for my life. And maybe it fits for some others for this year. But anyway, regardless of that. But it was the word accelerate. And, you know, really, God, God's not done, man. And I think that, you know, I particularly get a little bit older. And not that I'm that old, but I'm getting a little older, you know. And you, you're thinking more in terms of slow down, but I, I think he's saying speed up. And, you know, you know, God's hardly begun, praise God. And, you know, the latter reigns to be so much greater than the earlier than the former reign. And to me, that means we got we to pick up the pace. Can I, can I get an amen? amen? Woo! Can I get a woo amen? I, I, I might forget that I'm here and think I'm down at the jailhouse or something, or think I'm out at the mission, you know? Oh, yeah, to visit. That's right, to visit, you know, that kind of thing. So anyway, so we got a good subject today. He's the God of the more, and then I thought we'd really top it off, you know, end with something exciting. So I'm going to give you a little, you know, just a little idea of what hopefully we'll end up with this morning. And, uh, you know, have you got your seatbelts fastened? Are you ready? You know, uh, I thought we'd end up with some scriptures on tithing. Oh, yeah. All right. All right. <laughs> but it's an interesting subject. And I would actually talked with Mark about it, well, several times, but a little bit last week or a couple weeks back. But um, anyway, how God's in the tithe and he's the God of the more. And anyway, so I got some good things on that. So anyway, Father, bring our hearts to a place of reception this morning. Let us have open hearts, awake hearts, that we'd uh, 
understand the wisdom of God that you desire to speak to us this morning through your word, dear Lord, that we'd have receptive hearts, receptive minds, open and ready to receive for you today. For you're a big God. You're the almighty God. You're the El Shaddai God. You're the God who's more than enough. You're the God who's more than able. And Lord, we say this morning that we're ready to hear. We're ready to listen. We're ready to receive from you today. In Jesus' name, amen. So anyway, so I got a little story, uh, you know, a Bible story that we can look at. But I think that this really, you know, perhaps uh, if, if any story in the Bible does... This really represents the more of God. So it is a story I know we're familiar with, but we'll just kind of start here. But it's John chapter 6, verse uh, 3. And um, I'll read it to you. As soon as I start reading, you're like, well, I know that one. But, but there's always something in it. And I just enjoy this kind of stuff. You know, it's funny. I mean, many years ago when I started preaching in the jail, I, I'd, I'd, you know, I'd go in there and I'd find myself saying things that, you know, I hardly understood myself, and then I knew that they didn't know where in the world I was coming from, and then I finally got on this thing. I thought, just speak of Jesus. Just speak of the stories in the Bible, something that everybody can relate to, you know? I mean, it really begins and starts with Jesus, or excuse me, it really begins and ends with the Lord. He's the author and the... Wow. Wow. I mean, I can't stay a step ahead of you guys hardly. He's the author and the finisher, of course, of our faith. So, John chapter 6, verse 3, it says, Now the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was near. Then Jesus lifted up his eyes, and seeing a great multitude coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread that these may eat? But this he said to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them that everyone may have a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon's brother, said to Jesus, he said, now I love this part, man. He said, there is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they among so many? So I got a question, man. Is five barley loaves and two fish, uh, I mean, how does that work for a multitude of people? Right, it doesn't work, right? It, I mean, I mean, it, it, don't, it don't even come close. I guess I'm getting more into this Ori. I mean, it, it don't come close, praise God, amen? But I, I got another question. Is he the God of the more than enough? Is he the God of the more than able? I mean, you guys got to help me today, praise the Lord. I, I, thought, I thought we came here to have some church this morning. Don't make me come out there and beat it into you now. <laughs> I'm just having fun. Okay, so there's this lad, five barley loaves, two small fish. It actually says small fish. What are they among so many? Then Jesus said, make the people sit down, much grass in that place. So the men sat down, a number about 5,000. I don't know if that means the women all had to stand and the children stayed, but the men sat down. But anyway, regardless, if there was 5,000 men, there got to be, in my mind, at least 5,000 women, and who knows how many children. So, you know, you're looking at 10,000-plus people, this kind of thing. Jesus took the loaves. When he had given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples. The disciples to those sitting down, likewise the fish, as much as they wanted, so when they were filled, he said to his disciples, Gather up the fragments that remain, so nothing is lost. Therefore they gathered them up and filled twelve baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves which are left over by those who had eaten. So I want to, I want to say something about this story that's kind of interesting because in my mind, this really models the ministry of Jesus in the earth. And, and, and make no mistake about it. I mean, the, the ministry of Jesus is alive and well on planet Earth today. I mean, when you and I minister, whether it's down here at the Kroger, you know, or whether it's, you know, out at work or, you know, neighborhood, whatever it might be, that's hopefully Jesus ministering through you and I. We have a part in the body of Christ, right? Jesus works through his body, so he ministers through us. So the ministry of Jesus is alive and well. I believe that this story really models very well 
that ministry. So points to think about in this story was that A, Jesus took something that was not sufficient at all to handle the task at hand. Yes or no? Yes. Amen. Amen. And I like the comparison. I'm just like struck by it. I, I, and I like this version. Actually, there's uh, I, all four Gospels carry this story. And, uh, but this version has the part about the little lad. Now, I'm like picturing these big guys, you know, this kind of thing. And here's this little boy. I, I'm a lad. Well, your English is a lad 12, maybe, or something. I mean, that's my mind, kind of pre-teenager, this kind of thing. He's got, you know, what is it, five loaves of bread and two fish. I guess he's on the way home to his mother, you know. Maybe mom sent him down to the, I want to say bakery, but I suppose it wouldn't be the bakery, but uh, sent him down to the market, you know, to, uh, you know, get some dinner, this kind of thing. And so he's on the way home. And all of a sudden, they want to use his five loaves of bread. Now, if he's like everybody else, he's like looking. He's like sees this mass multitude of people. And, you know, here's another thing to think about. I mean, how on earth did Jesus speak to 10,000 people without this thing right here or without those behind me? I mean, how do you do that? Huh? <laughs> Pretty interesting, you know. Here's a multitude of people. And, you know, Jesus speaks to them. How? So anyway, it's all miraculous, you know. So this kid, I mean, he okay, he's going to give up his couple of fish, his, his, his loaves of bread. But he's like, you know, everybody else, like Andrew, he's like looking around, he's thinking, now what good is this going to do with all these people? But I want to say something this morning, and I mean this from the bottom of my heart. God uses the most unlikely of people. Uh, Jamie had uh, got me some of the books by Robert Slairdon. I always want to say his name, Roberts Lairdon. They're the God's general books. They're really interesting. You know, it's about uh, particularly charismatic figures, uh, more or less in the last hundred years, the Amy, Simple McPherson kind of thing, Smith Wigglesworth, and uh, she's got me several of them, and uh, the one I, I particularly like, I guess it's on... Uh, people that were used in the ministry of healing in the 1900s and absolutely man all of them were the most unlikely of people i've enjoyed reading oral roberts story and i mean they just were dirt poor absolutely dirt poor and uh, his story was his mother was just a tremendous woman of god but they his father was a preacher but they had nothing and his mother acted as a midwife sometimes when she was young, you know, and she was, she was going to help a neighbor out, you know, on an adjoining farm. And, and as she was going there, she had trouble getting through the barbed wire fences. And she knew that the neighbor's uh, wife was actually in jeopardy of losing her life. It was kind of a serious situation, so she's hurrying over there. And she said to the Lord as she's trying to work her way through this barbed wire fence, you know, lift it up and scoot through it, she said, God, it, help this lady to live. And if she lives, because she was pregnant herself at the time, the child that I have will serve you and become a great preacher. And that child was oral. And he initially, as a teenager, ran from God. And he got emphysema, what was it? Um, oh, lung disease of the time, great tuberculosis, tuberculosis. I mean, a death sentence. And he went to a healing evangelist meeting one night and got totally healed. And you guys know the rest of the story. He became a great preacher, but most unlikely of individuals. Smith Wigglesworth didn't really begin preaching until he was 60-some-odd years old, you know. I'm telling you, the Lord's not done with us. Woo! I, I, I want to say he's hardly even started. He's hardly even begun. I mean... What you are up to now is nothing more than a staging ground that he can build on for something further. Praise the Lord. So anyway, so, you know, it's the same old, same old. I mean, the, the five loaves, the two fish are nothing in comparison to the problem. I used to like to, you know, situation. I used to like to tell the guys in jail, I said, uh, you know, when God gets done with you and me, people are going to look at you and me and they're going to say there's got to be a God. 
He chooses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. Because they know it couldn't be you, and they know it couldn't be me. It's got to be God, praise God. Amen. I mean, I wasn't a bad guy growing up, but we did plenty wrong, and I was headed for plenty wrong. And, you know, when, when I got saved at 20 years old, I got to be honest with you guys, I was just glad to be saved. Amen. Because I was out to kill myself fast. I mean, I tell you, I was stupid going to happen. Somebody say amen. Has anybody in here ever been a teenager? <laughs> yeah. I mean, sometimes it's just like dumb going to happen. I mean, how stupid can you get? Praise the Lord. Amen. Can you guys figure it out? There's a time in your life when you got the most amount of your life to live in front of you. Everything's good in front of you. And you're out there trying to kill yourself all the time. Does it make any sense? I mean, I get it. If you're 85 years old and you say, I only got a few years left. And, you know, you do something, you jump, start jumping out of planes or something. You want to try it out, you know. Okay, well, to be honest, you probably don't have a whole lot of time left anyway. But, you know, you're 17 years old. I mean, really. No. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I was stupid going to happen, praise God. Amen. I am a good example of a miracle. So, uh, I don't know. I got a text from a, a friend of mine this earlier this week, and he, he's a man of God, all this sort of stuff. Anyway, I, I think we're like, Jesus loves you, this kind of thing. He said, but I'm a mess. And then I text him back, and I knew he, did, he was playing around. I knew what he meant. But I said, yeah, and if you're a mess, you're just right for Jesus. For God loves to clean up messes. And when he gets done, he gets all the glory. And when you read this, this miracle, the, the miracle, you know, it isn't the, the young lad that's getting the glory. It's God that's getting the glory. So don't you and I ever think that it's about us. Because you ain't somebody. But you are somebody in Jesus. Praise the Lord. I Sometimes I come up with some... <laughs> stupid stuff I can't. <laughs> I'll see a, I'll see like I, I like some uh, I'll see like a jacked up truck out there you know like a jacked up picked up truck you know I think every guy has wanted one of those in his life at least once you know and I'll look at it and I might say to Jamie I said man if I only had that I'd be somebody Woo! if I can only step up in that and be up in that truck I'd be somebody <laughs> know you somebody already because of Jesus praise the Lord you don't need no jacked up truck. Amen. You're already important in God. So he, he loves taking the insignificant. What is of little value to this world? It's of great value to God. And that's really my point this morning is, is that your talents, your abilities, praise the Lord, are of great value to Jesus today. And so he wants to put his super on top of your natural Amen. And when he puts his super on top of your natural, I mean, you're going to be able to do things you couldn't, you couldn't never do before. Praise the Lord. Amen. I like to say it like this. You know, uh, my ceiling becomes his floor. When I reach the end of me, that's when God can begin. Really, in my mind, you'll not see the salvation of the Lord till you reach the end of your rope. But when you reach the end of the, your rope, when it looks like all is lost, when you feel like giving up, when you feel like quitting, praise the Lord, that's when you'll find God. Amen. <laughs> we were down, Sherry and I were at the mission last Sunday night, and I always love messing with those guys. We actually had a pretty good group that stayed around to, to be with us, and uh, I don't know in the end, man, I just started preaching away. It was so hilarious, you know. <laughs> those guys were laughing. Anyway, I thought you needed to know that real quick. So, uh, <laughs> all right. So, what you put on the altar of the Lord is what he will, what he has to work with. So, there's a big word in this story that really speaks to me very loudly. And it's a simple word, but I think it's a word that has a tremendous definition. And I think it's one of those words that we can simply gloss over. So Jesus took the bread and the fish. Now, this, this version of it says he gave thanks for it, but every other, the other three Gospels say that he blessed it. And the point I'd like to make this morning is 
is that your little is much in the hands of the Lord. And it's the blessing of God that will always put you over. See, obviously, you know, we know this, but God blesses, and the blessing of the Lord is to empower, right? And the devil curses. I mean, sometimes, you know, you might, I felt like it before I was saved. I don't feel that way anymore. But, and you ever just feel like you were cursed, like you couldn't do anything right, you know? I want to say this. Actually, I thought about this this week before, you know, because I knew I was going to speak this morning. I, I, I thought about this, is that don't ever, what I'm getting ready to tell you, don't ever, okay? I mean, you won't make me mad. Let me catch you doing this, all right? What I'm going to get ready to tell you. Somebody say, don't ever. Never, never. Now, people out in the world do this all the time, right? Don't ever curse your life. Don't ever curse your life. Tell yourself that you're blessed. Tell yourself the blessing of the Lord. And the point I wanted to make out of that is that whatever you give to God of your life, being your talents, being your ability, being, you know, sometimes I've had times when it was just, you know, just showing up to church made it feel like I was doing something great just because maybe I was tired and these kind of things. But whatever you give up to God is something that he can bless. Now, there's power in the blessing. I, I've looked this up a little bit. To bless from a biblical standpoint means to say something good about. But to bless in terms of what God desires to do is not, to, is not simply to say something about something, but is to say something into something. I've got this thing, man, and I think it's, it's, it's come about more and more since I started hanging out a little bit with uh, Mark and Jane and, and Catch the Fire here. And I, I guess maybe through the last, because I think we've been coming here six or six years or so, but I, I think it's just been through my time here that it's really become more highlighted in my thinking and more of my desire in my, to experience is this whole thing of impartation. Because I believe, praise God, that when God blesses something, he imparts into something. And there's value in that. I know that we've gone to, just a few times, but we've gone to some of the meetings that the, uh, the big church, so to speak, the big Catch the Fire church up in Raleigh has had, and they've had some great speakers. And uh, I think the very first one that we went to, who was there, Jamie? Um, Heidi was there, and they had some other guys and even Duncan, he's one I like, man. You're Duncan guy. What is the what is the Duncan's last name? <laughs> what is Duncan's? Excuse me. Smith. Well, that's easy. All right. Sounds like a good English name, Smith. Okay. Uh, uh, even Duncan, man, that guy prays for me. I'm like, woo, boy. I tell you what. I mean, Jamie said in that one. I, I mean, I didn't recollect it, but in the one meeting that we were there, I mean, there were all these people on the floor. And the guy's from Australia. I guess so. He was coming around. He was, he was like drunk in the spirit. He was praying for people. Now, Jamie said that when he prayed for me, I flew up off the floor. I mean, I didn't hit the ceiling, you know, but I mean, <laughs> I, mean I don't know. Maybe I flew a foot or two off the floor. I mean, it's powerful stuff. It's powerful stuff, you know. And so when God blesses something, he imparts into something. I think the great example of that is when uh, God created Adam and Eve, he said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Well, that's saying something good over something, but there was more to it than that in my mind. He was not only speaking over them, be good and um, be fruitful, you know, but he was speaking that into them. And what he was speaking into them would cause them to be able to walk out what he had for them. Because the anointing of God is in the Word of God. And that anointing of God that's in the Word of God will help to bring to pass whatever He says about your life, you know. And that's why it's so terribly important that we receive what His Word has to say. Because it's the anointing in that Word that will help me to live it out. Praise the Lord. I'm feeling good all of a sudden. Amen. So obviously what you give to the Lord is something he can do something about, but what you hold back for yourself, which we've all probably been guilty of, 
he can't do anything with and he uses the most unlikely of individuals and probably perhaps that's why he can use you and me i heard it said that um Sometimes God can't use people of great ability because an individual of great ability or great talent will trust more in their ability or talent rather than trusting in the Lord. Although we know that's not always true because look at the Apostle Paul. Here was a great learned man and oh how God could use him. Praise the Lord. Amen. So I guess that says to me there's hope for all of us. You might be the principal of a school, assistant principal, whatever it might be. Or you may just be a laborer down at the, you know, construction site, wherever it might be, praise God. But it is amazing. They said that when Smith Wigglesworth would get up to speak, and he had no education. You know, I guess he was born in the 1860s. And, I mean, if you were from a poor family, they didn't put you to kindergarten. They put you to work. <laughs> he started working in the factory at six years old. I mean, his grammar was, was terrible. And they said that when he would get up to speak, at first he just made no sense. I mean, you know, you could hardly follow what he was saying. And then all of a sudden the anointing would hit him. And he'd become like the Bible said. He'd be like another man. And he spoke words that just graciously came forth. And it was like this flowing river. But you could see that in and of himself, he was absolutely inadequate. But with the Spirit of God, praise God. All of us qualify. So I got another little verse. This will be in John chapter 12. This is actually one of my favorite little things right here. And you know, it's just funny how the Lord highlights things. But it's in John chapter um, 12, verse 24. Now, this is a, I don't call it a parable, but it's, it's interesting how Jesus was speaking riddles and uh, then God will give us, give us glimpses, you know, of it. And how we can all see something different, but yet together we see it as a whole. And I think we do that a lot in this church, you know, where we're given the liberty and the freedom to speak out what we believe we see the Lord doing. And, you know, you may see something I don't see, and maybe I see something you don't see, but it helps us see in a fuller way together, you know, what God has, what he means. <laughs> Anyway, so John chapter 12, verse 24. Well, this actually, verse 20. Now, there were certain Greeks among those who came to worship at the feast. Then they came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida of Galilee, asked him, saying, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip came and told Andrew, and in turn, Andrew and Philip told Jesus. Now, I love this man. All right, all right you guys ready for this one? This is so cool. I mean, I, I really love Jesus' answer. So, you know, these Greek guys come up, right? They want to see Jesus. Makes sense to me, you know? So, uh, you know, who is it? So, they told that to Philip, right? Well, for some reason, Philip, I don't know if he isn't bold enough or he don't know what to do, but he goes over to Andrew, right? Said, look, man, these guys want to see Jesus. Okay. All right, well, let's go tell Jesus, you know, that these guys want to see you. Okay. All right. Makes perfect sense up to now, you know? <laughs> verse 23 Jesus answered them saying the hour has come that the son of man should be glorified <laughs> are you guys with me I mean, this is really interesting you know hey Jesus these guys these Greek guys you know I mean who knows Greek they might have been really learned individuals you know might be leaders in their community this kind of thing you know Maybe they're rich. They can give a bunch of money into the ministry. Lord, these guys want to see you. <laughs> and then he answered, he said, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. <laughs> so we'll read the rest of this, but it's, it's powerful. The hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls in the earth and dies, it remains alone, but if it dies... It produces much grain. Good answer. Are you guys with me? It's true. Unless a grain of wheat falls in the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Then he goes on. He who loves his life will lose it. He who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, let him follow me. 
And where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, him, my father, will answer. I mean, he just spoke an encyclopedia to him, to, you know, to these guys. I mean, they come up and say, Lord, these Greeks want to meet you. He's got something that's a great revelation, great spiritual truth. So a grain of wheat will not be anything more than a grain of wheat unless that grain of wheat, you know, falls off the stalk and dies. And then it has the capacity to become much. Your life, my life, will not be anything more than what it is right now if we don't give it up to God, praise God. Now, I know we know these things, but there can be aspects of your life, and there can be um, different talents, different abilities that you have that seemingly may be hidden. I know Jane's been working for about five or six years on me with the music thing, and she's still trying to pull out some hidden things down in there. <laughs> and she don't give up, praise the Lord, amen? <laughs> But you know what? God can only work in the earth to the extent that you and I are yielded to him. You and I are his voice in this planet. And we carry the personhood of Jesus. And we carry the authority of God. And it's up to you and I to simply walk out what he has for us. I know we, I know, we know these things. But that which you don't give to God that which you hold back from God is exactly what he can't use. But what you give up to him is what he can bless and what he can use to reach a multitude of people and then what he can return back to you with abundance. You know, I did the jail thing for 25 years. I haven't been there for several years now due to the COVID stuff. I still meet people, man. I think it was Sunday when we were there. Maybe it was a couple people, at least one guy. Uh, that, you know, remember me from the jail. I mean, I've seen people all over. I know one time I was in Gatlinburg at the Walmart there in Sevierville. And uh, some guy, and I was there, man, in, in, in the Walmart. Some guy comes, hey, man, I remember meeting you and J. Ruben Long, you know. It's just really, really interesting, you know. <laughs> I had a, um, you know, we used to do missions work in, in uh, Belarus and Russia in the 1990s and some in the early 2000s, I, I, I lived that in my mind for years and years. I think I finally let go of it, but I mean, I just lived it. You know, <laughs> I was blessed. I, I knew, uh, I, we spoke at a lot of churches over there and had a number of pastor friends from there come here and then we would take them to churches and I could speak some Russian, I'd interpret and we just had great times. So it was one individual particularly, and most of them were all right at my age, these pastors, but there was one pastor who was older, maybe 15 years older than me. I called him Papa. He was almost old enough to be my dad, and we had taken up a great friendship, you know? And uh, he came over here one time. He might have spent three weeks with us, and, uh, you know, he spoke in a number of churches, this kind of thing. But he, he told me one time, I thought this was interesting, and, you know, some, sometimes it seemed like some of the Russians were trying to boast in the you know, the bigness of their country, this kind of thing. But he used this example kind of to explain the Spirit of God, and I've, I've remembered it, you know. He said that, uh, and I, I may not be explaining it totally correctly, but the Dead Sea, you know, in Israel, that there's water that flows into it, but that there's no water that flows out of it. Now, I haven't checked it out, but to me, Dead Sea means it's dead, right? It's stagnant, dead water. Yes, there may be some water flowing into it, but there's nothing flowing back out of it. Now, he contrasted this. Uh, Papa contrasted that with uh, Lake Bacall in uh, Russia, which I was not terribly familiar with, but I did look up a little bit later on, on a very, very deep lake, a very big lake, and a lake that absolutely teemed with life. And he said that there were, there were many tributaries that fed that lake, but then there was one great river that came out of it that ran all the way up to the North Sea. And uh, he said that lake teemed with life. And his point in the story was this, is that God can't pour in what does not pour back out. I've always loved that scripture, you guys, at John 7, 37, where Jesus said, If any man thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He that believes on me, as the scripture has said, out of his innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke of the Spirit. I've always loved that. I've always loved that verse. And so in our lives, I, I know we know this, but I guess I'm trying to highlight some things for us to think about. 
for God to be able to flow in a greater way into our lives, there's got to be a greater and greater flow out of our lives. And to me, you guys, to me, you guys, that's the way the kingdom works. Because it never stops with me, praise the Lord. And there's a return on what I invest into the kingdom. And Jesus said, he said, that if you can't be trusted with the unrighteous mammon of this world, how can you be trusted with true riches? And the things of this life are nothing more than to get us on to the life that is to come because God desires to express himself more and more and that heaven will take up more and more space in the earth through you and through me. Can I get a yeah? Can I get an all right? Can I get a woo? Amen. So I got one more little, one more little verse, one more verse, but this is going to top it off, man. This is going to be like the cherry on the pie. Praise the Lord. <laughs> I, I even got Jamie to laugh on that one, man. <laughs> the whipped cream or the icing on the donut. <laughs> All right, so I uh, actually I copied this using the amplified uh, translation into my uh, my notes here. Is Genesis fourteen seventeen through twenty? It, it involves this interesting person in the Bible, which I'm not going to begin to uh, try and give you my opinions on him. But you, you're probably familiar with the name is Melchizedek, and you know it's like there's one little spot here, several verses in the Old Testament although it's referred to also in Psalms, but I mean, basically, you would kind of view him as a mysterious, unknown figure, but then the book of Hebrews just brings it out like over and over and over again that this guy was a forerunner of Jesus himself. So all of a sudden, he carries on a lot of weight. And, uh, you know, so it's good. Let's see this here. So is Genesis 14, 7, I've, yeah, 17, excuse me. Then after Abram's return from the defeat slaughter, I'm not going to try and pronounce this, <laughs> some city, and the kings who were with him, the king of Sodom went out to meet him, Abraham, at the valley of Shevev, that is the king's valley. Melchizedek, now all of a sudden this guy shows up. Melchizedek, king of Salem, which was ancient Jerusalem, brought out bread and wine for them, for he was the priest of the Most High God. Now listen to this. And Melchizedek blessed Abram and said, Blessed, joyful, favored be Abram by God Most High, creator and possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed, praised, and glorified be God Most High, who has given your enemies in your hand. And in response to that, Abraham gave Melchizedek a tenth of all the treasures he had taken in battle. That's an interesting story, and you're like, okay, well, what does that have to do with, you know, you and me nowadays? But the interesting part in my mind is it's got everything to do with it. It's absolutely got everything to do with it. And it's not just the tithing, well, you know, he wants to get 10% of my money, and I don't have any money. I hear you, man. I work for a living. I know where you're coming from, man. I work hard. I get up 530 in the morning, and I pray for a while, but... I go on to work, you know, I get off work at 4 o'clock in the afternoon for the most part. I know it. I get it. But I'm telling you, there's something in this story that can apply to you and me today and apply to our lives. So, this figure, Melchizedek, comes out. He's a priest of the Most High God. And Abram realizes that. He recognizes that. And he gives him 10% of all the spoils of the war. You're like, okay. Well, Melchizedek was king, and he was priest. And it was normal back in those days, from what I've read, to, if you came into the presence of the king, to give a gift. That was just went, went along without saying. And then I like that, in response to all this, that Melchizedek blessed what Abram had, to, what, he, what he did. So, the point in all this is this. Why? Why did Abraham, why did he give, or Abram, I guess at that point, why did he give uh, this tie to this individual 
Melchizedek. Well, you say, well, he was the priest of the Most High God. He was a king and all this. And yes, I get it. But there's, there's a reason greater than that. And the reason greater than that is, I believe, answers the reason of why you and I tithe, why we give up our lives to the Lord, our talents, our abilities, whatever they might be. I think I got it. And to be honest with you, I had searched for this question for a long time because I'm like you guys, man. I mean, and I've watched a lot of Christian TV, and, you know, if you give such and such amount, you're going to get such and such back, you know, and I, I, it is what it is, you know, and, and I've, I've listened to a lot of faith preachers and a lot of, like a lot of faith teaching, but sometimes, you know, it's like the only reason I should give is that I hope I get something back, you know. If it's like I put a quarter in the gumball machine, maybe I'll get a gumball back, you know. I mean, is that the way it works? I think there's a greater reason for it. But so why did Abraham, or Abram, excuse me, at, the, at this point, why did he give the 10%? Because he wanted to honor this great king, this great priest of God. And because he honored him, he put him in position, he put himself in a position that he could be blessed of this individual. For the greater always blesses the lesser. And the point to that is this. The Bible says that God will honor those that honor him. And you know, this goes to every aspect of our life, everything that we do. And I think, for me, I don't know, you know, everybody's got their opinion on stuff, but I think for me, this explains very well. Because all of us in here, we love the Lord. Well, you wouldn't be here if you, you know, if you didn't love Jesus. You love Jesus. And we want to honor him. And it's not a gimmick kind of a thing like, gee, if I get a dollar, let's see, a hundredfold increase would be a hundred bucks, you know? I mean, if anybody in here, if you ever invest in stocks or stuff, whatever, I mean, you know, you know all you're thinking about is the money probably for the most part, you know? <laughs> all right, I bought an $80 stock. It's now at 90 bucks. I made whatever that'd be, you know, 10% or something, you know, a little over 10%. That's not the way the kingdom operates. When Abram gave in to Melchizedek. Melchizedek was a king. He gave in to the kingdom. And he knew that whatever he gave into the kingdom would go a whole lot further than him. And what I want to finish with this morning is when we give here at church, when we give into this church, we're not just giving to keep the lights on. Although the lights need to be on, right? A day like today, we need the heat on. Sometimes in my house, we have a little difference of opinion of what the heat, the thermostat needs to be set on. One person wants it to come up. Another person wants it to come down. Now my fireplace isn't working right. I got, you know, one of these gas fireplace things that won't turn on. I don't know if another person sabotaged that thing so it won't come on. <laughs> All I know is she said, well, you fix it, you know. I don't know how to fix a thing. I don't even know how to take the glass out in front of it, you know. <laughs> all that's got something to do with something <laughs> uh, oh lights being on lights being on our giving is designed in such a way that we glorify the Lord and as we glorify the Lord his glory will be seen in our lives and that's all I got to say to you guys so appreciate you guys alright man so, Father God, bless my friends today, dear Lord, as all of us in here today have been faithful to give and faithful to our talents, our money, whatever it might be, dear Lord, as all of us have allowed ourselves to be used of you, that your hand might be upon our lives all the more, that we might be used of you all the more, that people might see the richness of Jesus in our midst. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Robert. You always fill our hearts with more and i love that if you are willing to give god whatever he's asking today and i'm not asking for your money we did that bit already but if you're willing to say okay god here i am here's my little grain of wheat it might be time that god's asking you for a snippet of your time somewhere it may be focus on a neighbor or a workmate or somebody to pray for it may simply be offering the talent you have so God can multiply that in ministry or in regular life they're both the same thing <laughs>
But if you're willing to to give to God the little you have, like the five loaves and the two fish, so that we can have the adventure together of seeing what God will do with it, could you stand with me? Because I'd like to pray before we dismiss that God will take our offerings and multiply them. So, Father, thank you for each person in this room who's standing now to say, Father, here I am. Here's my little lunch. Here's my little offering. Here's what I have. In my eyes, it's not much, but in your hands, it's everything. And so I'm giving it to you now. My time, my skills and my talents, my energy, my focus, my finance, and my heart that goes with my finance. I'm giving it to you. And I'm trusting you to make more of it in your hands than I can by holding it in mine. So I'm giving it to you because you've already given me the victory in Jesus. And now I'm honoring you for all that you have done and all that you will do. So would you multiply our offerings, Father? The offerings of our little lives, the offerings of our little talents, the offerings of our experiences and our finances and our energies and our focus. Multiply it for each one that we would give you the glory and you would get the glory from little old us doing kingdom stuff far more than we could ask or imagine. So be empowered now by the presence of the Holy Spirit to take the kingdom wherever you go and to give God all the glory. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, Amen. So glad you're here. Come back and join us next week, and have a great week.